All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. Walter, how are you today? Terrible. Um, I'm in a New York City hotel You have room. a complaint. I, uh, well, I have so many. Um, I'm in a New York hotel room, and uh, as I tried to reduce the sound for this podcast by turning down all the heat and the, turning off the fan in the bathroom and so on, I realized that the actual sound that I was trying to turn off was the vibration of New York City itself. Um, you know, I come from Montana, and uh, I'm not used to living inside a dryer, which is basically what it feels like here. But <laughs> But that's not my complaint. New, York, New York's throbbing energy is, in a way, a source of dynamism. Uh, my problem has to do with the airline. And, um, you know, I wrote a whole novel once up in the air about uh, air travel. And that was published in 2001, back when it was possible to believe that a man was addicted to the pleasures of air travel. Um, but that's no longer... Uh, <laughs> That's no longer a valid premise. Uh, so, so I get on the plane in no longer Ozark. in the scope of the probable. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. So I get on the plane in Bozeman, Montana, yesterday to come to New York. And uh, first of all, I have to endure the incredibly intricate class system that comes with boarding a plane. Now they have about seven levels of priority for boarding. Um, the top four of which don't include me, okay? And then finally, I get there. I'm sky priority, uh, which sounds like a big deal and would have been before uh, ranking inflation on airlines. Now it's just steerage plus. Um, so I get on there full of resentment at all the people who boarded before me and a slight feeling of superiority for uh, toward the people who are behind me, who are still struggling, and uh, sit down. And as soon as everybody on this incredibly crowded plane is sitting down, as soon as everybody's buckled in, they make the announcement that there's a maintenance issue. Surely one that they knew about before we all got on. Um, you know, they had us all fighting each other and resenting each other for boarding priority. And then once we've boarded, we find out we're all <laughs> captives. Um, that we were actually competing to enter a uh, uh, tarmac bound gulag. A um, negative situation. <laughs> a yeah. negative situation. So, 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 what, so once my sense of superiority to the people who were behind me and my resentment toward the people who were in front of me has cooled somewhat, I find out that we're all equal again because we ain't moving, okay? Now, the plane wasn't starting its day in Bozeman, Montana. It had just landed. And so one would think that the maintenance issue that they just discovered was probably a real problem for the plane as it was in the air half an hour before. Um, but in any case, they announced that they don't have maintenance people in Bozeman, Montana. I guess there are airports where they don't have wrenches. Um, and uh, They'll have to confer with Atlanta about the maintenance problem headquarters. Um, so we just sit tight. This is Delta? And, yeah, yeah. Usually not the worst of our American airlines. Um, as we sit there, they use the Disneyland technique. You know, uh, the Disneyland technique is 
to make lines appear shorter by folding them back on each other uh, so that waiting three hours to get on the ride doesn't you know, get your goat as much as it might otherwise. And on Delta, they use the every five minute announcement technique to make the hours go by. Um, so they give you this sense that you're really on the inside about their maintenance problem. Um, and they tell you things you don't need to know. Like, you know, just got off the phone with Atlanta. Uh, uh, it's a, it's not a big problem, but we're doing our best and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they give you this faux feeling of uh, Steve, Steve's patched things up with 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 Melissa or in the side office. They're, right. they're, they're, th- they're thinking about having a baby again. And let me tell you about the party that the crew and I had at the Comfort Inn last night in Dallas. Um, <laughs> so, so so they string you along for about an hour. And of course, every seat is filled. So I'm next to this older woman. And as the author of a novel about air travel, I turn to her and in my frustration say, these people are just shining us on. We're never getting out of here. And she freaks out. Um, And uh, I just, there's an arrogant side of me that in a disastrous situation, it wants to control it by being more pessimistic than everyone else. you know, we're here all day is when I tell her. I can tell from the cheerful announcements that it's only getting worse. Um, so, so she hates me and I'm trapped by the window and uh, she's trapped with me. Anyway, after over two hours, we finally take off, fly to Minneapolis. We only have very little time to make our connections. Uh, I run to my new uh, gate. And once again, I go through the class system, the sorting process, and uh, I'm happy to be one of the early people, earlier people on the top, in the top 40% of boarders. That's what I would call myself. That's where I've managed to get in America after 60 years. Um, I get my Comfort Plus seat, which I upgraded myself to, thinking I deserved a treat. Uh, and as soon as we're all buckled in, they tell us that uh, we're not going anywhere. And once again, (laughs) once again, we go through the same protocol of friendly announcements from the cockpit. Uh, The pilot, kind of our best friend, uh, siding with us, the the, the trapped passengers (laughs) against the Borg of Delta Airlines and the entire air traffic control system. This time, it's not so much a maintenance issue. It isn't one at all, in fact. It's that the luggage went on the wrong plane. Uh, they, they, <laughs> who would want to take off in a plane that doesn't have their luggage on it? So, so, in other words, everybody on the plane is suddenly like, yeah, I hope they solve this. I'm willing to be patient because I just found out that my suitcase is on another plane and I prefer that it be on this one. Um, well, it's a little bit of a Sophie's choice, depending on your situation. That's true. We should have voted. Okay, I should have gotten up in the aisle. <laughs> like that lady who saw the alien or whatever on the plane. I should have gone, okay, who wants to go, who wants to, go to New York without their luggage? 
you know, they deliver it to your hotel if you have a hotel. And who wants to sit here and wait for them to sort this out? Because I can tell you that a lot of people aren't going to get their luggage anyway. Okay. They're going to tell yeah, us. Exactly. They- <laughs> it, could have been, it would have been yeah. a th- Athenian or, or like Roman, like the Roman Senate. You would have had your toga on, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. making me a dress. Yeah. I call for the, I call for the essential feat of air travel to be accomplished. Getting us to New York. (laughs) (laughs) You who demand that we get there with our things should should quiet down. A hundred years ago, there was no guarantee you could get off the ground at all. (laughs) That would have been my Ciceronian argument to the Senate. Um. But, but so then, so then finally, after an hour, we get into the air and we land at JFK well after midnight. What I didn't awesome. know about, but what I didn't know about JFK uh, airport is that it only gets busy after midnight because it's an international <laughs> airport that comes from, you know, where flights come from all over the world. And people are leaving bright and early in the morning from, I don't know, wherever, the Middle East, or New Zealand, I, 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 time zones confuse me. But they all seem to land at JFK at 12, 15 a.m. Um, and so you come out after this incredibly brutal day into a kind of, I don't know, um, it, 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 it's like a late night. It's like Broglio. Tangier of, or something like inter- that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like Tangiers of international passengers. God bless them all coming to America with high hopes. I always, I always feel bad for our country when I realize that JFK is the first thing many people in the world see of it. Um, you know, they're expecting this, this streamlined experience of American competence. And they come out into this sea of like gypsy cabs and freaker you know? <laughs> scammers and hostility and scammers and policemen yelling at taxi drivers and taxi drivers yelling at people who are just standing on the sidewalk. I mean, there was a taxi driver who was ahead of me who didn't have the ability to yell at anybody in his car. So he just started yelling at people on the sidewalk. I don't know why. Um, and. Uh, it's my privilege when I come to New York, especially when I come to be on the Gutfeld show on Fox, that they send a car for me. But at this point, I'd almost rather they not, because the the chore of synchronizing your emergence from the terminal with the car's arrival at the pickup spot is almost impossible. They keep the they keep the cars in some staging area. Uh, that I can't even imagine. I feel so sorry for those poor drivers. And then they, they have one shot at recognizing you among the throng, at which point, if they miss you, they have to go around through the entire cycle again and come back. So I got here like 1.30 in the morning to this hotel that feels like a laundromat dryer because outside is Times Square humming and throbbing. And uh, that means I'm bright and bushy-tailed and all those things for our show this morning. That's, that's excellent, the, Walter. Yeah. yeah, 
I love it. I lo- I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm terribly sorry about that experience, though. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're right. I, they keep adding all of these uh, levels of these classes that you can belong to. Um, like, there's like one new one per year now. Uh, right? Like, I mean, the, the, the best thing to be is a baby who's in the military. Um, oh, right, right. Right, because then you get boarded immediately. Uh, but they should eventually just strati- stratify the entire country into into like three hundred million different classes, and the last, the very last person will be somebody named Edmund, Edmund who's always last. G- given that you're that, that you you're feeling a bit frosty this morning, I. It's hard to start the show talking about something unpleasant, so let's let's ease our way in with something that's just sort of interesting. Okay. Uh, we had a big change in uh, in the construction of uh, of Congress. What are your feelings about the the removal of Kevin McCarthy and that whole drama? I like to see anything lively happen in Congress. That's just me. Okay. Um, for a couple of years, I lived after college in uh, in England, and I, I take every chance I can get to say I was. They're getting a degree from Oxford University. And one of, and one of the things that the, the British prided themselves on was the raucousness of their parliament, of their House of Commons. Everybody yelling at each other and booing and doing these sort of ritual uh, harassment uh, sounds. And that is often held up in America as a kind of refreshing, primitive form of democracy that we could only aspire to. But then the minute something happens in Congress here that, you know, reeks of dissent or conflict or, dare I say, dynamism, it's treated as some terrible descent into chaos and the end of democracy. Um, when in fact, it's kind of, uh, to me, the hallmark of democracy that people should uh, vote each other out, uh, have to uh, justify their leadership roles and then be uh, and then be criticized for not fulfilling their promises, which is what McCarthy was criticized for. I mean, he made certain pledges to the harder core members of the Republican uh, caucus or whatever, and uh, he didn't meet them according to their firebrand leaders, and they got rid of him. So what? I mean, that that is, to me, one of the least troubling aspects of how we're governed in this country, that, that, that there should be internecine fights over policy. Yeah, I mean, if, as long as they're not chainsawing each other to death uh, on television it's kind of the way it's supposed to work. I mean, even if it's nasty, even if it's underhanded, even if it's, if it's brutal, um, this is what Congress is for, isn't it? Well, and just, and just a couple of weeks ago, the Democrats who were in control of the Senate were making all these um, uh, apologies for the lack, for, 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 for the banning of their former dress code uh, to accommodate Senator Fetterman. Um, in other words, when some said, oh, look how they're letting down standards in the Senate, uh, they're letting a guy wear shorts. Um, 
well, they said, this is just modern life. This is progress in some ways. How can you be so hard hearted? Um, and the Republicans were saying, no, this is chaos. This is degeneracy uh, on Capitol Hill. Now the Republicans have their flurry of uh, uncouthness. And the Democrats are saying, oh, look at, you know, look at these, this rabble. Um, so, you know, I, as long as they're yelling at each other and not me as an American, uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't mind Kevin, Kevin McCarthy. Obviously he, I know I met him after, uh, the, um, you know, the, the fiasco with Schellenberger and myself, uh, earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he was, you know, he was perfectly nice and supportive about the whole, um, you know, investigation into the censorship issue, which by the way, there was more good news this week. Um, you know, we talked earlier about the Missouri v. Biden case and how the appellate court uh, had excised uh, the DHS and CISA, the um, the sort of subunit of the Homeland Security. Um, but they're back in the injunction now, thanks to the plaintiffs. I guess they, they filed to get uh, the appellate court to reconsider. And so the disappointment of getting CISA out of that injunction is now over. They're back in, uh, which, which is great. But anyway, he was supportive of that. I don't have any particular animosity toward him, but what's amazing was reading the, the, the coverage, uh, you know, suddenly you have all these people like Garrett Graff was saying no single figure is more to blame for the rehabilitation of Trump post uh, January 6th and McCarthy, his utter lack of honor and courage will be the defining thread of McCarthy's story in history. Um, now, Garrett Graff, for people who don't remember, is the, one of the people who was organizing the Aspen Institute, uh, or was that the Aspen Institute um, deal where they were kind of pre-deciding how to uh, respond or how to not cover the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, he's in the Twitter files laughing about, um, you know, how long it took for, uh, for Trump to say something when they had, they had predicted earlier, it would take nine days and actually took only took three. Um, so he's, he, he's, he's was, was one of the sort of darker, uh, figures in the Twitter files. Now he's, he's out here saying that, uh, McCarthy is this, you know, defining radical right Trumpist. Um, when I thought the issue with McCarthy was that he was that, that the right wingers don't like him, and that he's not Trumpy enough. Like, um, well, who does he think he's going to get, uh, Garrett Graff? Now that Kevin McCarthy's off the stage, I mean, the the thing that the, that really distinguished McCarthy is that he. He took the slow road to an impeachment inquiry when, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, another person in that position, a Marjorie Taylor Greene or, you know, would right. have been doing it, done it from day one. Uh, so I don't know. I, I thought that was weird, but um, but it happened. So uh, but beyond that, um, well, you can't win for losing. I mean, that that suggests that to be a moderate uh, Republican or whatever you want to call Kevin McCarthy uh, isn't 
uh, isn't worth it in the eyes of, uh, if you're trying to impress those sorts of people. I mean, um, I, I, uh, I find it strange that they then decided to adjourn for a week after losing their speaker. Um, I don't know what's going on now. I guess a lot of horse trading or something. Um, what I love is the rumor that Trump will come back as speaker. Yeah, um, how does that work? Well, apparently you don't need to be a member of the House to be the Speaker of the House. I never knew that. Yep, yep. It could be anyone, Matt. Could be you. <laughs> what? Why don't we? Why don't we throw? Our, uh, well, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you have to be a Republican too, I, I uh, think. But uh, actually, maybe not. Who knows? I, I don't know that that's required either. But uh, yeah, there, there, there are rumors going around, and Trump has even said he would be willing to help out if they call on him. Um, oh, that's fantastic. That would be hilarious. Um, do you have to be a human being? Be Speaker of the House? Yeah. No, no I, I'm sure that chatbots are, 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 are... You see, it's my secret suspicion that chatbots are ruling us already. And that people just have earpieces. Um, uh, I, I, I want I want to like blast some kind of interrupting tone into the Congress uh, that would break all microwave communications and see if the people are still able to speak without their chatbot implants. Um, <laughs> they'd suddenly all fall silent, start gibbering. If they um, actually had to think of their own dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that might be um, tough. It might be. Yeah. So anyway, I, I mean, I'm not particularly disturbed by any of it. Uh, uh, it seems that one of the big issues in McCarthy's removal, besides the fact that certain people thought he'd gone slow on impeachment, has to do with Ukraine funding and that, you know, uh, and, and some deal that McCarthy made, uh, which I don't understand quite, to continue the funding uh, separate from, I don't know, the omnibus spending bill. Right. Oh, I mean, you mean in this 45 degree, yeah, uh, 45 yeah. day yeah, yeah. window. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't fully understand that either, but uh, uh, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens at the end of this, uh, this 45 day session. I think this, they're, they're going to have a much harder time coming to an agreement clearly um right around christmas time i guess so that that'll that'll be fun um but uh that happened we can probably do a post postmortem on mccarthy and that whole situation after they get back from whatever this week-long thing is be interesting to figure find out what they're what they're actually up to um maybe they're just taking a week to like play D D and get high somewhere you know you know it's funny like September and October for the rest of America is the get back to work, hit the pavement hard period, back to school, vacations over and so on. And these folks just keep declaring themselves, you know, uh, a new little break. Uh, uh, it's already October. They've worked for a whole month. What I mean, what do we expect? They need Oof. a week off. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> they just get back from their summer vacation. I mean, I worked in Hollywood for a while and uh, I worked in a writer's room on a TV show. And in Hollywood, they actually specialize in honoring more holidays than, than the rest of the world combined. Um, <laughs> like, uh, it, it, like 
it's multi-religious holiday place uh, where where any if anywhere in the world some faith is celebrating, Hollywood's taking that day off. Um, yeah, and uh, but 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 I think Congress is worse. Yeah, they're, they're, maybe they they should have um to. If you're not an NBA fan, that's what makes sense to you. But they maybe they needed a load management policy, um, so that members of Congress can, you know, sit out every other day, rest their hamstrings, uh, you know, do the the Kawhi Leonard approach to uh, governance, where you only have to actually, uh, you know, make decisions every every two or three days or so. Um, as opposed okay. to every day, my work. Here's here's what I want from my representative, Matt. I want them to be willing to wear a fitness tracker that's hooked up to the <laughs> internet, and I, I want to see their heart rate and blood pressure uh, and everything else as they go through various votes. Um, and and I want to know how much sleep they're getting and so on, and then I'll decide when they get a day off. Um, <laughs> You personally, or will it be a collective thing like that we vote on, like in Survivor or something like that? Well, I, I think the problem isn't that we vote too much, but that we don't vote enough. And, and I think we should mm -hmm. have I think we should have votes over everything that these people do from the beginning of mm -hmm. their day to the end of it. Um, and we can say, you know, Congressman Smith deserves a day off. Uh, he, he's obviously in the danger zone and all his metabolic uh, stats. And, and then once he's rested up, we'll shock him back to life. And um... <laughs> give see, him a nice see, dose see, of strychnine. Yeah. See, Matt, I'm all for the surveillance state. I just wish it was pointed the other way. Okay. I just right. wish it, right. I wish exactly. it was pointed up rather than down in rather than out. And, and I want total command and total information uh, capabilities on all those people there. Walter, we've got it. That's the program we need to design. Total politician awareness. Yep, exactly. Total right? politician That's awareness. That's what DARPA needs to work on for, for us. It'll be a display screen. So like we, we, can, we can put a little, little area um, you know, over the District of Columbia, where there's a circle, and then we'll have, we'll be able to tell how many politicians and lobbyists uh, and mistresses uh, and donors are active, you know, geolocated in that area. We can click on them for, you know, things like heart rate, um, you know, uh, the, you know, wh uh, who, who they're talking to. Uh, yeah. The visual readout. Yeah, we need that, I think. I think that would be great. And every time they get a new contribution of over $5,000, they'll have to click it into their iPhone or into their <laughs> Apple Watch or whatever. Um, no, no. That's right. Every time they receive money or, 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 or feel erotic stimulation, um, it should, it, it, there should be an alert on our uh, I, I don't mind system. these people becoming embroiled in sex scandals. I just want to see them live. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll be yeah. the judge of whether or not they're uh, yeah, it, 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 they're, they're they're damaging sex scandals or not. Um, I'll be right. the judge of whether right. their orgies are truly satanic or not. Uh, they might be all American orgies that 
everybody can get behind, but let's see them. Um, so make the yeah. make the beltway make inside the beltway mean something. <laughs> Create an actual beltway. <laughs> sort of like sort of like the oh, Van Allen Van Allen radiation belt, one that they can't get out of. Once they're in, they're in, <laughs> and we keep them there. Uh, I, I'm actually oh, kind man. of I'm semi serious. They 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 yeah, they. Me too. they They've aimed all this stuff at the rest of us. But the fact is, you know, uh, they're the ones who should be under our watchful eyes at all times. We're paying. Oh, my God. This is the solution. This is the only way all the forgive my language. This is the only way all this bullshit gets cleared up is if all these people who at the moment can go into a back room and see a digital display of everything we're doing, thinking, have ever thought, every, every, everybody we've ever talked to, if that were, uh, if they had to submit to the same thing um, for the public's consumption, it, it would all, they, they, all those programs would be canceled instantaneously. Oh my God, we can't have geolocation. We, can, we can't have live readouts of, uh, you, know, you know, who people are talking to and we, we need more um programs like signal uh, you know so that we can have communications right. that are hidden from everybody else right i mean that's what they would do dude and, and a measure of how insulated and immune they feel to the kinds of surveillance that they direct at the rest of us was shown during russia gate when peter stroke is just texting practical state secrets uh to a woman he's having an affair with inside the government. Yeah, we're going to get Trump. Like how, like how overconfident was this dude? I mean, uh, like the rest of us are like, uh, you can reach me on Proton Mail under an alias. Peter Stroke is like, right. yeah, we're going to take down the president. Don't worry about it, honey. Uh, you know, on, on text messages. Yes, my uh, don't don't worry about it. Um, the, my extramarital dalliance, um, yeah. you know, who was also had. Well, we we'll leave that story for, for another C time. C-SPAN was a great idea, but it didn't go far enough. That's that's all I feel. <laughs> C full span. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mega C-SPAN. Uh, Mega C-SPAN. C C-SPAN uh, C C premium. Yeah, <laughs> she's paying right? premium plus. Yeah, like yeah, the airline plus. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll work anyway. on that. We'll get. We'll we'll get. We'll get that. Uh, get get that taken care of. Um. So we, you know, there were some things that happened in the last week or so. Uh, we've already spent a lot of time talking about other things, but um. We just sort of wanted to generally, I think, talk about a a, a theme that's kind of come up a lot in the last couple of years and seems to be happening more and more often, which is just politicians just openly denying that they said something that they previously said. Now, the, the place that we're seeing this most often currently uh, seems to have to do with people denying that they were, um, that, we, that we had uh, mandate policies. Um, but uh, while I cue some of these up, uh, Walter, just your thoughts just generally on um, on this whole idea of 
openly memory holing uh things and we again we saw an example of it with the the canada incident where they stood up in the middle of parliament and said we'd like to strike that from the record but that's kind of happening in more and more overt fashion of late um in particular with some of these covid policies well you know they say the internet is forever and it was thought that being on record electronically would discipline some of this behavior uh, in which people, you know, openly and forthrightly declare that they never said what they said. Um, I wasn't, I, I'm not sure who the the security official was this week who was claiming that they'd never, uh, never wanted troops in Syria or something. Um, and then we now have a case of you know, people claiming there were never vaccine mandates. Um, but I look at it as a further uh, extension of this movement to keep you trapped in the in the moment. Uh, they don't even have to memory hole it. It seems they they just say I I didn't do it um, and challenge you to challenge them. And you might have all the evidence in the world on your side, but you still hesitate. Uh, And and that represents total victory for the Orwellian uh, elite, because uh, when you can prove that two plus two equals four, but you're afraid of the people who say it's equals five, you're utterly defeated. Um, Yeah. No, the, and there's, there, there is so much of this. Uh, I mean, one of the examples that we were talking about was uh, the OSHA chief, uh, Douglas Parker, who I guess was asked in Congress um, about, about mandates. Uh, do we, could we uh, queue up um, the Cardona clip? What was President Biden and OSHA's plan if 84 million Americans refused to comply with the vaccine mandate or show their papers? That's categorically untrue. We didn't threaten anyone and we didn't demand that anyone be fired. Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? And who did the forcing? Well, your department or the Head Start, which is under your department, had a mask mandate until late last year for two-year-olds and above, even outdoors. Uh, So can you point to any public health benefit of that policy? Right. We we never forced anyone to do anything because we don't have the jurisdiction or authority to do that. Did you encourage states to adopt student vaccine mandates? I did not encourage. All right. All right. So so the the first one there was was uh, I believe it was Douglas Parker, the head of OSHA. And the second one was the um, uh, Xavier Becerra. Uh, the Health and Human Service Secretary saying, "No, we didn't do that. We we never had mandates. Uh, we didn't force anybody uh, to do any of that." Um, Love so, how, how one of their supporting uh, uh, pieces of evidence for not having done it is that we had no right to do it. So obviously, we didn't do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We couldn't um, have done it uh, because we're not allowed to do it. Therefore, we didn't. Um, right, right, exactly. Exactly, except we did, but yeah, and and this and this isn't exactly a new thing. Like this has happened sort of around the world. It's 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 been a little bit of a trend. Um, can we hear the uh, the the clip 
from uh, New Zealand Prime Minister. Uh, this is the former uh, COVID response uh, minister, uh, Chris Hipkins from New Zealand. Um, in terms of the vaccine mandates, I acknowledge that it was a challenging time for people, but they made ultimately made their own choices. There was no, there was no compulsory vaccination. People made their own choices. The government is planning to require... All right, so, so that, there's New Zealand where they absolutely had mandates. And then, then uh, let's, let's listen to Justin Trudeau. I think this is a while ago. This field, I think this one was about five months ago. Um, but uh, he, he, remember, there was an entire uh, you know, national protest about mandates. And he says this. And all of the scientists and the medical experts and the researchers not just in Canada, but around the world, understood that vaccination was going to be the way through this. And therefore, while not forcing anyone to get vaccinated, I chose to make sure that all the incentives and all the protections were there. All right, so there's, so there's that, right? Um, and then I think we had... Um... We had also, this is an exchange with where the uh, Pfizer official, um, Dr. Brian Hewitt, with uh, an Australian senator, Pauline Hansen. No one was forced to have the vaccination. Who made the comment? Was it Dr. Thurin? I believe I made that comment. You made that comment? Right. Mm -hmm. You were in Australia during COVID 19. 